Hey mama, do you find yourself wishing you knew you were on the right path with your business or wanting to know how to do it all as a work at home mom and entrepreneur? If you struggle with imposter syndrome, mom guilt, or fear of failure, then you're in the right place. Hi, I'm Alexia, a Christian mindset coach, passionate about teaching moms how to renew their minds to find success both in business and motherhood. You can overcome the negative thoughts holding you back from fully stepping into your calling. I know what it's like to worry your business will never work, to feel mom guilt every time you work on your business, to realize your mindset is hindering you, but not knowing how to change it in a Christ-centered way. I created the Mom with a Calling podcast to teach you how to use the powerful combination of God's Word and proven mindset strategies to help you break free from negative, paralyzing thoughts and gain clarity and confidence to go where God is leading you. As you step out of the old way of thinking and into God's way, you'll find more peace, joy, and purpose. Pop in those earbuds and get ready to let God work in you so he can work through you. Okay, welcome back to the Mom with a Calling podcast. Today, I have a special guest, Lana Silk. Lana, I'm going to read a little bit about um, who she is so you guys can get um, an understanding of that. So Lana serves as Transform Iran's Chief Executive Officer in the USA, In this role, Lana actively seeks to bring freedom to the people of Iran, transforming the nation into one which bears the image of Christ. Through ministry and humanitarian aid, Lana hopes to transform Iran with create, will, sorry, Lana hopes that transform Iran will create divine change in the lives of the Iranian people. She was born and raised in Iran before immigrating to the UK, where she completed her education at Imperial College London, gaining an honors degree in computer engineering. Her postgraduate studies in marketing communication strategy led her to a career in services marketing before specializing in branding and fundraising, where she consulted for several years, particularly for the nonprofit sector. So with over 20 years of marketing experience across all media, Lana has a passion for seeing small businesses and startups gain their voice in a competitive environment. She also worked as a church minister, worship leader, and most recently a college chaplain, where she took further postgraduate studies in working with youth with a focus on mental health and safeguarding. She is trilingual and considers it her life calling to represent and advocate for the people of Iran and the West. Thank oh, She now lives with her husband and three kids in Ohio. Thank you so much for being here, Lana. It's a pleasure to be here. I loved reading all of that. And I just chose to do that because like I said, before we started recording, I think it's really important to see, and you're going to talk about this a little bit, but just like all the things that you've done and how it kind of let, maybe, I don't know if it led you where you are today, but you're going to be able to use all of that. And I think it will definitely resonate with some of the people in the audience. So today we're going to be talking about how to boldly follow where God is calling you. We're also going to be talking about some about like bringing your kids along in that and showing them um, what it looks like to follow God's call on your life. So I think this conversation is going to be really encouraging and inspiring to the listeners. Um, So to begin with, can you tell us more about Transform Iran and then how you got involved with the ministry? Oh, yeah, it's it's been a journey. I can tell you it's been a journey. Um, the the ministry was actually founded by my parents. So I've been in it right from the beginning in one way or another. And part of the journey of seeing God call us out of Iran and then share his vision for what he wanted us them to do. But us as children, you know, I think part of what we'll talk about today is how children are not collateral to our call. 
and they are very much part of it. And if we give them the opportunity, they get to reap the benefits and the adventure of what it is to follow Jesus. And certainly that's my story from when I was younger, because God called my mom and dad out of Iran and gave them a call to start this ministry and to reach the country. But um, it became part of my heritage, part of my birthright, even to be part of that call and to um, graft with them in some ways. And a lot of my teens were spent traveling from country to country in Europe, gathering Iranian Christians, hosting conferences. And we were put to work, you know, we would teach the children or lead the worship or, you know, or do or whatever, you know, do the registrations at the at the beginning of the event because it was a family call. And so we, it, it was wonderful to be part of that for many years. And then God called me, well, I, I felt that it was right for me to pursue education. And I think God was in that. So I went down the path of education. You read some of that earlier and um, then went into work in the marketing world. Um, the whole time my heart has always been with Iran and with the people of Iran and throughout my secular work. Um, I don't know that that divide is really there. We can talk about that later too. But throughout my, maybe we can say traditional work, um, I volunteered in different capacities and was always part of it one way or another. And then quite a few years in, uh, my father approached me and said, we really need some help um, on the marketing side of things, on the um, fundraising side of things. You know, you've got some skill set there, come and help us. And so I went back to the Lord to check to make sure that was his will for me. And he did confirm that. So I'm really summarizing, but I kind of landed back in with Transform Iran Um um, and then I went off and had kids. So I had, I spent a year or two with them and I had always wanted to be a stay at home mom that in fact, that was one of my deal breaker conversations that I had with my then boyfriend <laughs> to say, if this ever goes anywhere, you need to know, I want to be a stay at home mom. <laughs> You're going to be okay with that. Um, so, and I'd already had the conversation with my parents. So when I did have my first son, Judah, um, I left work fully, went back to a volunteer capacity and just soaked up being a mom for well over a decade until God said, okay, now you're getting very comfortable and a little bit lazy and all of this. <laughs> I, I want you to just pull out the stops a little bit more. So um, here I am back at Transform Iran and I'm enjoying the adventure. But, you know, the journey back to Transform Iran and to being a working mom, um, which has a whole lot of different challenges. I must say that I think having been a stay-at-home mom, I think there there are not fewer challenges. There are plenty of challenges to be a full full time mom as well. Um, but doing the juggle with the work, I really wanted my children to be part of that decision making. So we sat down together and discussed what the implications of that would be, what I would have to cut back on. You know, less of the homemade. You know, more of the convenience. Um, less attendance at some of their school things. You know, it had to be a case that all of us as a family felt that God was calling all of us to give me to this. Um, so it's been a family journey and here I am now. I feel like that, I mean, I love how you included that about, you know, being at home with your kids and then coming back out and involving your kids in those decisions. Um, and I, lo I love how like you talked about how hard it can be to do that, but was was it challenging? Like, did you feel guilty coming back to work? I mean, yes, God was calling you, but did you feel like, I feel like we do the other way. Like a lot of times the moms will leave their work and then they feel like they're supposed to be with their kids and they feel that guilt kind of 
drawing them to be home with their kids. And then when they try to, like for us, it's working on business, but for you, it was just going back to work still. Did you feel guilty for, for doing that? I guess like leaving the kids or were you like, nope, God said. Oh, I have had the whole range of emotions (laughs) in this journey. Um, Guilty, yes, though it's been a funny kind of guilt because I've known it was where God wanted me. So there was never any sense of um, I'm making a wrong decision or I'm failing. Well, plenty of I'm failing, actually. That's that's part of the package of being a mom, I think. Um, But there's I've... I've found it very frustrating not be able, being able to do everything. And I've had lots of cyclical journeys where I've had to come back and make decisions on what is the Lord calling me to? What is important? What do my children actually need? Um, I, when I was at home full time, I, you know, I, I was a very active mom. I don't, I'm sure some of your listeners, well, perhaps, perhaps not, but I would guess some of your listeners are full time Hmm. You know what? Full-time mom is the wrong term because we're all full-time moms. Stay at home mom. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I don't know if they had that same challenge that I did when I was at home, where we, the assumption is that you are less motivated, less ambitious, um, less driven. Um, you know, you, perhaps you're even less intelligent. You have less to give. So you just stay at home with the kids because that's all you know how to do. And I had that for a long time. And I had to really dig deep into my sense of, security in the Lord and who he had called me to be and what I wanted to be for my children and drown out those voices which were really very loud in undermining the choice that I had made in just being with my children (laughs) so having had all of that and having had that journey which I think was very healthy for me because my sense of identity um, never could come from being, you know, validated by outside of myself. I had to find that validation identity just within myself in the Lord and know that I was being obedient and I didn't need other people to think that I was anything special or successful um, or any of that because I'd made a decision that I was happy with, but it came with all sorts of stigma. So having fought that stigma and enjoyed and really enjoyed my time with the children, then to come all full circle and see, I mean, I battled with the Lord when he called me back to work because I had made a decision that I was going to be with my children until my youngest graduated high school. And my youngest was nine when the Lord called me back. So it was it was a real struggle because I'd had a plan <laughs> and a vision of how it was all going to work. And I there was a lot that I still wanted to pour into my children, particularly the younger ones who were still coming through, you know, puberty, pre-puberty, all of that. And I wasn't sure that I would be able to give them what I wanted to give them, not what they necessarily needed, but what I wanted to give them if I was juggling work as well. Um, So sort of guilt, more frustration and having to face my own limitations and having to make some tough calls. And a lot of it really came down to, what I wanted to bring rather than what they needed and understanding the difference between those two things. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's really important to to talk about. I'm glad you brought it up. Like the identity and the shame almost of being, it took me like years to even say I'm a stay at home mom because I was so like, that was a big part. And I think it's a big part of a lot of the journey for a lot of us is because we we have to undo our attachment to our careers, our identity, and what we can contrib- like being okay with 
where God is calling you. And just it's that's all that matters is what God's saying, not what anybody thinks about it or anything like that. And then, like you said, that ambition that's still there. I mean, it's still there. It doesn't go away, uh, but you might channel it differently. Like, I don't know if you homeschool, but I homeschooled my kid, my son. And it's like, sometimes you homeschool or sometimes it's like, while they're in school, you can still do things. You can still have, maybe you're like an amazing, you know, homemaker, like you're working on the home or whatever it is, or having some kind of small business. Like there are things that we can do. And it is a part of that kind of identity crisis that happens when you come home with your kids is just like, and like you said, like, I get what you're saying about full-time mom, but that was a big adjustment. When I came from working like 70 hours a week, and then I came home and I was like, I don't know how to be a mom to this kid. Like, I mean, that's why I was there, but I had no idea how to do anything with snacks. I didn't understand routines or diaper changes really, because I didn't see him that much. I only, which is the whole reason I came home, but I only saw him a few hours a day. And so it was really like a shock to my system to do that. So I love that that you mentioned that. And then over time, it's almost like we swing the other way. We're like, I'm in it. I'm here with my with our kids. And then when God calls you to do something different, like balancing those two things can be hard. Um, it can be, it doesn't have to be, right? And so um can you talk? So I guess it's a good segue into the part of talking about, like you said, I love that phrase, like our kids aren't collateral to the call. So can you talk a little bit more about that and about how, like, what we teach our kids in following what God has called us to do? Yes. Oh, what, what a privilege it is to do that. That's my favorite part of parenting is to connect them to the Lord and um, invite them to adventure with him. I think the um, one of the most uh, it's a natural mistake that we tend to make is to protect our children from things. And part of that is protecting them from disappointment, from frustration. And I think we do them a disservice when we do that because we don't then teach them the process of overcoming these things and learning how to cope with these things and how to thrive in all these things that are such a normal part of life. So I think the more we involve our children in our own processes and in processes that affect them, the the better it is for them. So we made a move from the UK to the States. It was a God-led move. There was prophecy. Um, There was also a lot of delay and disappointment and frustration. And we wanted our children to know all of it. So we had had several um, words from the Lord while our children were very young about before the third one was born, telling us that God was calling us to the nations and there would be multiple international moves ahead for us. Now, that was very kind of the Lord because I'm a lay your roots down deep kind of person. Like this is the home I will die in kind of person. So that was um, that needed some processing and preparation for. And so God was kind in giving us and certainly me the heads up. But then we decided to do the same for the children. So right from when they were young, they were always aware that God had spoken and he was calling us to um, adventure. We use the word adventure a lot at home. He's calling us to adventure with him. He's calling us to follow him into the unknown. And the the most fun is when we don't know what's coming because he gets to know and he gets to lead and he gets to take the burden of all the planning and making it work well. Um, so they they knew that they would unlikely graduate school in England, and but we didn't know when. And then when the this opportunity, another opportunity had come a few years before and we prayed and thought, no, this isn't it. And then this opportunity came 
and we prayed again and it felt like it was more likely. So then immediately the children were part of that, right? Guys, you can't tell anyone. My husband was very senior in his work and um, nobody could know that there was a possibility he'd be relocating. So none of their school friends could know, you know, it was a real lesson in how to be private with the things of the Lord and be alone with him and figure things out with him first before you go blabbing it to everyone. So um, they, they, we prayed together as a family for a year. It was like a, a journey we went on. We had a book, a journal that we set up together. We called it the if, when, where book. Are we going? When are we going? Where are we going? Like the Lord is stirring. Where, what is he saying? So we just prayed together, did not tell anyone um, journaled together. And then by the end of the year, we knew. So my youngest was eight at that time. There were eight, 10 and 12. Uh, we knew that the Lord was calling us uh, to move. It, he, he was shaking the soil, you know, he was getting ready to replant us. And um, we were pretty confident it was in the States. Um, and the, the timing we felt was soon, but we didn't know when. As it as we started making steps to confirming things with the company and say, yes, okay, we, we're ready to talk more and yes, we'll do this and that, um, it started to become very imminent. Like we're going within a few months, but you still can't tell anyone. Right before we were due to me move, we started telling people. And then just as it was all very formal and final and settled, then COVID happened and everything got delayed. <laughs> oh, no. Um, we had a whole year of this emotional roller coaster of, okay, fine, we're letting go, we're moving to, oh, now we're not moving. Are we ever going to go? Now the visa process has changed. Now all the laws have changed. Now all immigration is banned. But but we've told everyone we're going. And that, so this whole up and down, up and down. And I'm just so happy that the kids experienced that at that age. There was so much meaty lesson in all of that in that whole the whole process of trusting the lord listening waiting um uncertainty certainty uncertainty certainty you know all of that and they had all of that so by the time we came to the states they'd experienced it all with us and they were part of it so there was no sense of them being collateral this was theirs too and mm -hmm. and actually when we moved here my daughter had a really really tough time the first year that we were here she she lost herself in many ways. She went into a bit of a shell. She uh, was struggling to make friends. And so having had that journey, then we could pray and talk with her and discuss how you are not collateral. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to finish, you know. <laughs> so, so. But, you know, it's it was so good for her to know that the Lord hadn't called mom and dad and maybe even Judah and Nathan. The Lord had called Anna. And Anna mm -hmm. had her own call. There was good for her. So Romans 8.28 was a mantra. He has, he has good things for you. Everything works out for good. Everything doesn't work out for okay, for possible. You get through it. It's good. The same word that's used to describe his creation in Genesis. So this is going to be good for you. It means that you're going to thrive here. So that journey and that process with her, for her to really learn that deep in her mm -hmm. heart, I'm I know that. For the rest of her life, she will draw from that. Mm -hmm. So I'm grateful to Lord from it, even though it was quite a tough road to walk. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, that's just really powerful. Like if you hadn't done all of that, how hard it would have been. Maybe she wouldn't have ever kind of recovered from. And she, she's a little. Even no matter those ages are kind of older, where they're going to know and understand, leaving yeah. all their friends and everything they know, and um, 
And yeah, like, so that's really powerful. And I love that because I think a lot of the women listening, um, you know, we're, we're more, um, we have a harder time kind of stepping into that. Like we're, we're Christians, right. But learning the spiritual side, learning to say, this is what God is saying to us and really following that. Um, I think that's really powerful that you did that with your kids. Like not only did you and your husband understand that and have an understanding of following what God was saying, but sharing that with your kids and teaching them that from a young age, it reminds me of the story of Abraham and Isaac, because when I always, we always talk about Abraham and how hard it was for Abraham to sacrifice or to take him up there. But I always thought like, I feel like God showed me, it's like, what did Isaac learn from that process? Like he literally sat there and watched God provide for him. And I was just like, that had to have a huge impact on Isaac's faith, not just Abraham, but for Isaac. And so to see like, whoa, God really is a provider because I I almost wasn't here. Um, And so I think that's just, that's really inspiring and encouraging because a lot of times like we're doing online business and we're at home and and we're trying to like separate it. And a lot of us have little kids, like my son's seven. And I try to tell him like, this is what God's calling me to do. And, you know, for him, it's just this, uh, this nuisance, like you're working and you're on a podcast or whatever. And it can be hard when they're little, but trying to, to have those conversations, like you said, to include them in that Mm -hmm. is just such uh, it's so good for their own faith and for them to learn. Cause a lot of us did it. I mean, I didn't grow up with a Christian family. And so I didn't learn how to hear from God. And a lot of us don't. And so it's just such a gift that you're able to give your kids. It is. It's exactly that. We give them a gift. You're so right. Yes. I think it's part, one of the greatest privileges and um, callings on our lives as mom to, to connect them with the Lord and to model what it is, you know, their first um, understanding of, the character of a heavenly father, how they relate to him, how he relates to them. Uh, their first model of that is us. It, mm-hmm. it always is. You, know, you, you hear all these testimonies of um, adults who've had, who've suffered broken childhoods and the journey that they are then on to discover the father, because they have such a warped sense of what a good father is and, mm-hmm. and how he would treat them, how he would love them, how he would forgive them, how he would have mercy. You know, if you've not experienced these things as a child, then you start to misunderstand who the father is. So that, that that's a journey we get to protect our children from because we get to show them what the father is like. And I think part of that is also in our failures. You know, I've always capitalized on my many many mess ups with the children where I've been able to sit down with them, particularly powerful when they're very young, you know, when they're two, three, four, and, you know, I lose my temper or I'm uh, um, impatient or demanding or whatever. And then I'll sit down with them and say, you know what? I messed up for A, B and C, but you know, Jesus wouldn't have done that. My, my call is to be like Jesus to you. I think if that had happened and Jesus had been, dealing with the situation, this is what he would have done. So even though I've messed up, I can still point them back to the father or to Jesus and say, this is what it should have been. This is what it really needs to look like. And I'm heading that way. And I'm aware that I've fallen short. But so you need to know that I didn't model the father very well to you just now. So I think that's a powerful conversation too. And part of that then is also modeling to them what it looks like to repent to be remorseful, Mm -hmm. um, what it looks like to not carry condemnation. I was very deliberate with that. So I would, you know, say to them, look, I messed up. I'm sorry. I've said sorry to the Lord. 
And the great news is he's forgiven me. And I don't need to feel guilty about it because the Bible tells me explicitly that he takes my guilt away. So the guilt is gone. The shame is gone. And now with the Holy Spirit's help, I get to try again tomorrow. So that's a wonderful lesson for our children. So in every way, whether we succeed or fail, we can still Mm -hmm. be pointing them to the Lord. Yeah. And I love how you said it's what we get to protect our kids from. I um, I think a lot of the women here, like they, they could have, they can see that as like such a gift, but some of them are those adults trying to figure out how God, what the father looks like, but it's such a testament to what happens when we figure it out and what we're giving our kids. Like you said, like this, this totally different experience and how it becomes this generation, generational, um, like good <laughs> instead yeah. of the generational like curses or like the, the hardship that can, can pass down. There's a difference that happens when you see what, when you have a Christian family and you see what happens like to those kids, like their lives are just, it's just totally different than, than when you grow up in, in not that situation. So I want to transition a little bit because, um, can you talk a little bit about, and I don't know if people understand this, so I wanted to kind of touch on this, but so, so transform Iran is about spreading the gospel there. So can you talk about Christianity in Iran today? Is it? is it legal? I don't know. I don't know the, the laws there. Like, what is it like there as far as Christianity goes? Great question. No, it's not legal. Um, well, with caveats, it is legal. If you're not, if you're an ethnic minority that traditionally by heritage would be Christian. So the Armenians and the Assyrians have legal churches, but they come with limitations they are not allowed to conduct any of their worship or teaching or script have any scriptures in the main language of iran which is farsi they're not allowed to evangelize they're not allowed to welcome into their meetings any muslims or people muslims uh, uh, muslim background believers we call them mbbs certainly not but that's a whole different story because there are implications for those people already which i will tell you about so um the any churches that exist legally are um totally limited in what they can in what they can do so as soon as you're talking about a bubbling thriving outwards looking evangelizing church then that's completely illegal and so the the um evangelical protestant um you know there's no denominations in iran you know the 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 living you could say the spirit-filled church is all underground because they're limited to uh, to the above ground rules, which they don't want to be. Um, and many, many of them are MBBs, Muslim background believers. And it is illegal to convert from Islam to Christianity in Iran. And literally in the legal system, the punishment is death. It's apostasy. So, and it's not just Christianity. If a Muslim is to leave their faith for anything, then that's, he's an apostate or she's an apostate and punishment is death. So um, it is extremely persecuted and squeezed and difficult um, mm-hmm. uh, for the church to exist in Iran. And yet it thrives because the church thrives in places like that. So um, in 1979, the regime in Iran changed. Before 79, it was a secular regime led by a monarchy, the Shah, and really very um, well connected with the West, Um we know the Americans and Iranians governments were friends. They would um, have events together. Um, and there were other issues. There was a lot of corruption. Um, the, the monarchy was extremely wealthy. There was a lot of poverty among the regular people. So the religious elite basically came together and created this whole story about going back to purity 
and ethics and morals. And long story cut short, the, the monarchy was overthrown and an Islamic regime came into play in 79. So if you look back at Iran's history before 1979, there were probably three, four, five hundred believers of a Muslim background in Iran. It was really hard ground as far as evangelism and having any interest in, in the things of the Lord. Since 79, probably more than a million people of a Muslim background have come to know the Lord. It is, mm-hmm. It's a thriving revolution, um, revival even. Oh, revolution. I wonder if that was <laughs> there was anything in that. Revival is the word I was going for. It's a thriving revival underground. And, and it's, it's coming through the cracks. You know, the people of Iran are hungry and looking for something different. Um, some organizations will say Iran is the fastest growing church in the world. I've heard stats say 19.6% growth rate every year. You know, it's, it's, and it's believable. It is constant. People are coming to us and other Christian organizations constantly wanting to know the, wanting to know more, wanting to know the Lord. They might've met him in a dream or a vision. You know, I met Jesus. He healed me of my cancer. He took away my depression. What do I do now? I want to follow him. Tell me more. So the hunger, the appetite is there, and we are busy giving them the gospel and then discipling them and planting churches. How do you how do you do that? I'm just thinking, like, how do they know about you? How do you guys do your work if it's not a, like allowed? It just it just feels scary to me. Yes, which I'm yeah. sure it is. I just like it, what? Yeah, what do you? How do you guys do that? Well, we have to be creative. Media is very powerful. And that's our first stop. So we use all forms of media. We use satellite, TV, radio, social media, internet websites. um, And we ensure that the gospel is preached loud and clear in the various languages of Iran uh, and in the sounds and and colors of Iran, you know, to for the Iranian people. So that's the first stop. You know, the word of God says, how can they believe if they have not heard? So we need to make sure that they have heard and they have heard the truth because they are looking. And if we are not there with the gospel, they will find something else masquerading as truth. So we, we need to make sure that we're there. Um, we do also do evangelism in person, but that is a very one-to-one spirit-led thing where there are so many fun stories of believers in Iran who will have had... You know, the stories that you only read about in books where the Lord will say, go to this park at this time, sit on this pen bench, a person wearing this will come and sit next to you, give them a Bible. You know, if if that person was not sympathetic to the things of the Lord, handing someone a Bible is an immediate prison sentence. So um, but the Lord leads people to these exciting times and you know adventures. And so they do. They they share the gospel in person. And there are lots of stories like that. But by and large, people hear the gospel directly from the Lord. They might have a dream or a vision, or they might have been drawn to the, the Bible. I was speaking to a lady a few weeks ago who said that she had, um, somebody had given their family a Bible and she was very anti it. She was a very committed Muslim and it was kind of seeping into her family and she didn't want anything to know about it. She was worried that her family was getting defiled by this. And as she was praying, uh, and then Jesus started appearing to her in visions and saying, come trust me, come with me. And she was still like, mm, this is not good. And then she went to pray her Muslim prayers. And every time she went to say Muhammad, Jesus would come out. And like involuntarily, like she, she'd try again and Jesus would come out. And so through this process, she found the Lord. So some people have their own stories like this, but many people also are channel hopping or on social media looking for something else and where they're sharing the gospel. But of course, that's just the first step because that's, that's a convert. These people need to be introduced to Jesus to learn about the truth. They need to 
go through a process uh, of realizing again who God is because they'll have a, a conception of the of God through Allah. Allah just means God in Arabic. And Allah is nothing like the Heavenly Father. You know, he is angry, he is inconsistent, um, very demanding, he can't be known. That's one of the things Allah must not be known. There's no intimacy. And now we're saying to them, no, actually God isn't like that. God is intimate, he wants to know everything about you. When you pray, you can look him in the eye. He, he thinks you're wonderful, he thinks you're beautiful. So it's so wonderful to take these people on a journey of rediscovery of who their creator really is and who they really are in him. And so that's discipleship. And we do a lot of that remotely. We'll invite them to a weekly call with one of our counselors. It's safer for them and safer for us where they can just do it on the phone um, or on, um, it could be a video call, whatever they feel comfortable with. And we'll disciple them. We'll teach them basics of Christianity. We'll teach them about evangelism, about church planting, because naturally, they are evangelists. They are so radically transformed by the love of Jesus that they cannot help but share it with their family, their friends. And a lot of the time it's their lives that are the evangelism in themselves, you know, their transformed lives. Oh my goodness, Lana was a drunk. Lana was an alcoholic. Lana was depressed. She was a drug addict. And now look, what's happened to you, Lana? You know, it's it's these stories are just, they just come out naturally. So then when people hear the story and see what's happened in their lives, they're drawn to it. So usually through the process of the discipleship, we'll, our counselor will call in for a session and then the person on the other side will say, I hope you don't mind. I've been telling everybody about what you've been telling me. And now I've got you on loudspeaker and I've got 30 people in the room and we all want to know. And so churches are born. This is very natural, organic growth of the church. People's lives are changed. That's a, It overflows into their community. Other lives are touched and changed. Churches are born and it just continues like this. Oh, so it like draw it like the the presence of God moving like that is just such a a draw, and it's it yeah. it creates in me like this like what the early church like in Acts what that's like, and it's sad to me though because I feel like we don't experience it here as strongly in America and I think in the United States because and I've I've read books on this and stuff and people think it's because people in in desperate situations or in 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 those other, I don't know, like if they're oppressed and anything like that, that they are, they are looking They have, they, they need hope stronger, more. And it's almost like this weird, I mean, obviously we're blessed to be here too in other ways, but like, it's just like experiencing God move like that and experiencing like healings. And um, just like you said, like visions and to see Jesus appear to you, like, that's amazing. Um, and that's just it. what I'm struck by is how you all also are sort of just, you just have to show up like it, God's doing it, but like, you're just there facilitating this. And I, and I'm also struck by the power of the internet, like how amazing it is. Like, of course the internet has lots of bad things, but I just think it's so amazing how God can do that. I mean, this podcast gets, there was at some point where it was ranking in Saudi Arabia and I was like, there, it ranks in other places too, but I was like, that is so cool because Christianity is illegal there. And I just was so blown away by that because I was like, God can use whatever I'm sharing to speak to someone in a country where they can't, they're not even allowed to to do that. And and also just all over the world while I sit here in Tennessee, you know, um, doing my own thing. And so I just think that's amazing to see how God can use that. And like you're saying, you can disciple, you can do all these things like through Zoom or the, you know, through the internet. 
And it's just so powerful because not only what you guys are doing, but what I feel like God's calling so many people. I've heard so many people in all different sectors just kind of talk about how they feel God is calling them to do online. And then really at the core of it, it's just to get to know who God really is, to experience him again, to learn how to read their Bible. There's so many people who are Christians who don't even know how to read the Bible, you know, and not not really. They It's like hard to read. And so having those discipleship things is just amazing. And we forget um, the power of, I don't know, the internet, that it's okay to use that too. So that's just amazing. Yes, absolutely. And I guess with that comes knowing that almost everything can be redeemed for the Lord. Like if we, we can go into a corner and shut down and say, this is evil, this is evil, stay away from it. Or we can say, I want to use it for mm-hmm. God's glory. I want to use it. the internet. Like you said, there's so much social media. There's so much that's unhelpful and not good. But if we, if we make sure that we use the power of it to do what God wants us to do, then there's a lot that we can achieve. Um, it's all about being obedient, isn't it? God, God's grace calls covers us for the places where he calls us. If he calls mm-hmm. us to certain types of ministry or work, and if we're obedient to what he's calling us to do, then his grace will cover us. He'll enable us, equip us, anoint us to do what he's called us to do. If we go foolhardy into dangerous places and be like, oh, because God will just cover me. And, you know, I just think, well, sometimes there's there's a glory seeking side to that too. We've got to be listening and seeing seeing where is God calling me to do, where is His grace covering me, and making sure that we're obedient in that. So yes, and you know you're talking about. Um, I've had this conversation many times over now with Americans um, and other European Western friends saying, "Oh, I wish it was more like this here." You know the the just the excitement of it, the how spirit-led it is, how supernatural it is. And I always say um, what my mom says to me is God's supernatural power only comes when it's needed. We need to make sure that we are in places where only God can shine. Mm-hmm. So if we are, if we're living comfortably within our own natural abilities and our comfort zones, then God doesn't have a lot to do. We're already doing well. Everything is going fine. But if we're prepared to be uncomfortable and stretched, you know, it talks in in the Old Testament, stretch your tent curtains wide. Your descendants will then inherit. You know, it's it's all about stretching, pulling, taking more territory, being uncomfortable. And then the legacy of that comes afterwards. But it, it comes at a cost. There is a cost. And Jesus did say there is a cost to following him. So the challenge to all of us is, what does that look like for me today? How do Mm -hmm. I take another risk for Jesus today? That risk might just be telling my friend at school about Jesus or my colleague at work. But what does that risk look like? And how do I make sure I'm in a place where only God can get the glory? I love that. Yeah, because I think there's a, I know on this podcast, we talk a lot about mindset. And because I just felt so strongly to help show people like how we're stuck in these comfort zones and we our logic and reasoning is so strong that we really um stepping out in faith feels like like very dangerous very scary very you know um and it's like looking like you just said like I love that you said that because 
a lot of us are, I mean, we're long, if we're Christians, like we're longing for, to see God move and to feel the spirit moving. And so to do that, to step out of our comfort zones, yes, it can't all make sense. Like I, I always say, God is in the business of asking us to do crazy things that don't make sense because a lot of times that's true. Like, I mean, looking all throughout scripture, you can see he asked people to do things that it doesn't make any sense at all. Um, But when, yeah, but when you can hear when you're listening to God, and that's actually the biggest problem, I think, is people don't believe in the Western world Yes, to believe they can hear God in the first place, like to like that part is missing. And it's just, that's a whole different conversation, but I just feel like that part is missing from the beginning of when you're saved, like being taught, like, here's what it sounds like. Here's what God sounds like. Here's what it means to listen for him and to follow him. And because we're missing that, that's, you know, the enemy coming at us, like that to just take our feet out from under us, basically. Cause if you don't feel like you can hear God, how are you going to follow him? How are you going to do those things? And so, yeah, Yeah. so teaching people to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, the enemy doesn't just have one technique to take us away from everything God has for us. Sure, he doesn't want us to commit to Jesus. But if we commit to Jesus, and he can just convince us to be completely impotent in our Christian life and settle for less than everything that Jesus has already paid for for us, then he'll settle for that. So Mm -hmm. to make sure that we are embracing the full power and joy and adventure, I hate to ever use the word, of following Jesus. Um, I love that you use the word adventure. That's great because (laughs) it it really is. There was like a, it was like a vision I had, I guess, I don't know, like last year. And it was that as a child, if I, I loved trails that went kind of through the woods and I had no idea where they went. And I was like, that's such an adventure. Like, I wonder where it goes. But as an adult, I'll look at that same trail and be like, I don't know if there's going to be like, I'm going to die. Are there going to be like wild animals? And What's it just it, like, it, it was like, yeah, it was like a symbolism for like business and like, or stepping out with what God's calling you to do. If we can't see the next step ahead, we're just like, no, instead of saying, but I'm not alone. This is an adventure. He knows where he's taking me and I'm going to trust where that is. And so I just love that you keep saying, saying adventure. Um, but also, so as we wrap up here, Um, I guess it kind of is a good segue, just the same kind of thing. But the women that listen to this podcast are feeling that God is calling them to do something big in their life that requires a step of faith. It may not be as like big and bold as going into another country or spreading the gospel in this way, but it still feels big and scary to them. So what's that final word of encouragement to inspire them to to continue doing what God's calling them to do? Uh, I would say that... um... Each person's big and scary is their whole big and scary. So there's no there's no ranking or grading. And God loves it when we take those steps of faith, even though they feel tiny to us. Um, and like we look left and right, we think, well, she's doing that and she's doing that and I'm only doing this. But God sees to what extent we are pushing ourselves and risking and and willing to learn. And he loves that. And he's so kind, you know, he comes running, you know, think about the story of the prodigal son, when he, he came with his head bowed, just groveling back. And there comes the father, you know, his dress hoisted up. I mean, I don't know if you studied the theology of all of that, but he, that was really bad. It was shameful for a man to show his legs, to run like that in public. And yet the, the father came running. So that picture is beautiful. You know, God takes a thousand steps for every one that we take. And all we need to do is take that one step and be willing to let him nurture our hearts and help us to get to a place where we can take bigger steps. It it, Mm -hmm. it starts somewhere. So I'd say don't undermine it. Go for it. Take that one step. Um, I have a 
a little sign on the door to my closet on the way out that says, what does risk look like today? So, Mm. you know, every day, just think, what does risk look like today? Let's take a, let's take a bolder step. Let's take another risk. Let's, and, and for God, you know, I, I want, we want to be in a place where people look at our lives and know that something greater than ourselves must have been at work. So then for that to happen, we got to take some risks. So go for it. Just go for it a step at a time. And God is delighted with every effort that we put in. Oh, so good. Yes. I hope that this, I know this is going to encourage so many. So where can people learn more about you, connect with you, see more about the ministry that you have going on? Well, our website is transformiran.com. Um, I think that it's really good for us to stir our faith in seeing when God is moving. So whether it's what God is doing in Iran or in Africa or India or wherever, I think it's just a really um, helpful thing to look beyond ourselves and to to pray for others, to help where we can, um, to engage in mission in, in ways that we only can because of media and digital, the digital connection that we have today. And, and to allow that to become more courageous, to allow that to help us become more courageous and faith-filled and adventurous in our own lives. So if, if that happens through our ministry, we would love to be that blessing in the lives of your listeners. So yeah, go ahead and look us up on transformiran.com. There is a section there called learn where you can learn a little bit about what life is like in Iran. What's it like to be a woman in Iran today? What's it like to be a child in Iran today? What are people, what's the education system like? What about um, poverty? You know, there's a lot, if, you, if you're if you driven that way, there's a lot you can do to learn about it. And that of course feels prayer. And then there's a section called impact where you can learn about the impact of the ministry. And then you can read testimonies and find out what God is really doing and just enjoy letting your faith get stirred because the same God that is working in, in Iran is in you right now. So if he can do that there, then he can do similar things in your life. So allow it to stir your faith. And then if you think it will be a blessing to you, and for sure, I know it will be a blessing to us, then go ahead and sign up to the newsletter. Once a month, we send a newsletter that shares a testimony or an update on a ministry and then a a list of things that you can pray for for us specifically that month. You know, we have we're training underground church leaders. We are um, uh, the digital church is expanding into another language. We're translating a Bible into another language. You know, pray for this and this. This leader is sick. That that person is being at risk of deportation. So just specific things where you can engage your faith with us, partner with us and pray into things and see the Lord do amazing, miraculous things. Um, our partners share about how they their own faith has been stirred by seeing how active God is and what he's doing. Uh, so it'd be wonderful if if we can go on that journey together. I love that imagery of your faith being stirred. That's exactly what happens when you read. I was just looking at the website earlier and just seeing that and just hearing some of your stories even here today. It like it creates that excitement. Yeah, that's a good a good analogy there. Well, I'll include those links in the description below. Thank you so much, Lana. This was such a great conversation. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Mama with a Calling podcast. As always, you'll find the show notes for today's episode at mamawithacalling.com slash podcast. Really quick before you head out, are you loving these episodes? 
To make sure this podcast gets in the ears of as many mamas as possible, please head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And while you're there, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on any future episodes. I'm going to be reading your reviews on the podcast, so I can't wait to hear from you. Also, if you know someone that needs to hear these episodes, grab a screenshot and share it on Instagram. And don't forget to tag me at Mama with a Calling so I can share it in my stories. Until next time, keep pursuing your calling.